Before we get started, I want to tell you about a little game that the Founders Journal community is playing right now. Currently, Founders Journal is sitting right around 350 reviews on the Apple Podcast app. Now, reviews are the number one thing that drive you up the charts in podcasting. By the end of the month, I want to get us to 500 reviews for Founders Journal on Apple Podcasts. And so what we're going to do is this, whether it's right now or whether it's after the episode, go to the Apple Podcast app, leave a review for Founders Journal. And if we get to 500 before the end of this month, I'm going to host a Zoom happy hour with my community. It'll be an amazing opportunity for Founders Journal listeners to meet one another. And it'll be a great space for me to answer any questions or talk about really anything that you want to talk about. So before we get started, go to the Apple Podcast app, leave a review, and let's get to 500 before the end of the month. Now, on to the show. What's up, everyone? This is Alex Lieberman, co-founder and executive chairman of Morning Brew. Welcome back to Founders Journal, my personal audio diary, where I give you, the business builder, the tools you need to think better in order to build better, whether that's building a business, a team, or a new product. And today, I'm talking about anxiety. I've had anxiety for as long as I can remember. You may be wondering, why am I talking about this on a show about building businesses? Well, there's two reasons. One, this is my journal, and it's something that I would 100% write about in my journal. Two, I've both had anxiety about work, and my anxiety has affected the quality of my work in the past. At the end of the day, anxiety impacts all aspects of life, whether it's personal or professional. So with that, let's hop into it. I've had anxiety for as long as I can remember. And, you know, when I think back in life, there are moments that I vividly remember that were somewhat traumatic, anxiety-provoking experiences for me. And I vividly remember my first anxious thought that I ever had. It was in elementary school. I can't remember if it was second grade or third grade. But what happened was I was in the library and I started concentrating on my breath. And I started anxiously monitoring if I was breathing correctly for a few minutes. Obviously, I was breathing correctly, given that <laughs> breathing is this instinctual thing that we all do without thought. But at the time, that was just what my brain decided to latch onto. And it took me a while to kick the thought of asking myself, am I breathing correctly? And if I stop thinking about it, am I going to continue breathing correctly? It may sound strange to you if you haven't experienced anxiety or OCD yourself, but these are the sorts of things that my anxious mind, I call it a treadmill mind, has picked to obsess about throughout the course of my life. So here's how I want the rest of the journal to go. Whether you experience anxiety yourself or you don't, I want you to get something from this episode. If you do experience it, I want you to understand the way that it manifests for me. I want you to understand what I've done to harness it. And most importantly, I want you to just know you're not alone. If you don't experience it, I want you to get a glimpse of what it feels like and the sheer work that it takes to not have it debilitate those who suffer from it. I think this perspective will just make you more aware and more empathetic as you inevitably will work with hundreds of people who suffer from anxiety over the course of your career. But also, even if you're not diagnosed with anxiety or OCD, which stands for obsessive compulsive disorder, you will inevitably experience anxiety periodically in your life. And the tools that I'm gonna share with you, 
I think you're going to find helpful for those moments regardless. So let me start by sharing how anxiety manifests for me. There are a few assumptions that I make about my anxiety that allows me to manage it in a productive way. The first assumption that I make about my anxiety is that I am biologically wired to be more anxious than the average person. It is just how my brain works. I cannot fight this. There's no benefit of fighting it. I can't try to get rid of it, but I can learn to harness it. The second assumption, anxiety is a blessing and a curse. I need to respect the positives of my treadmill brain. It makes me creative, productive, proactive, and it allows me to draw connections quickly. But it's that same mind that latches onto unproductive things, things that <laughs> create anxiety and make me unhappy. But what I need to do is accept that there are always unintended consequences of the positive things that happen. The third assumption, managing anxiety is not easy. It's actually like really freaking hard. It's a part-time job that takes self-awareness, focus, and a lot of hard work to move the needle and quiet it. With those assumptions in mind, here's how I understand and manage my own relationship with anxiety today. The first thing is that I've noticed as I've gotten older and as life has gotten more complex, my base level of anxiety has just shifted up. Like without a doubt, it has increased as there's simply more surface area for my anxious brain to grab onto. And as I reflect on my experience with anxiety throughout my life, I think it follows a 90-10 rule. 90% of my anxious thoughts or feelings are driven by 10% of my concerns. Said differently, there are a few things in life that drive the vast majority of my anxiety. And for me, it's three things. My work, my relationship, and my health. And what I've observed is that the thing that ties these three themes together are two key traits that the anxious brain loves to feed on. All three of these things are really important to me, like some of the most important things in my life. And they're also ambiguous. And here's what I mean by them being ambiguous. Whether it's me wondering in my head, am I doing a good enough job at work? Or am I pushing myself to be uncomfortable in my career so that I accelerate my career? Or am I fully healthy without any sort of medical defects? And is there any way I can know? The issue with all of these questions is they're important questions, but they're almost irrelevant questions because they're questions that I simply can't answer. And because I can't answer them, my brain chooses to ruminate on them over and over and over in an effort to answer them. So the real question is, what do I do with this, right? What do I do knowing that I'm an anxious person, knowing that I get anxiety around things that matter a lot to me, but oftentimes aren't answerable, like work, relationship, and health? How do I manage that? And the answer is, it's not my choice that my brain runs on a treadmill at 10 miles an hour, 24 hours a day. But it is my choice how I conceptualize my experience and how I live with it in a productive and healthy way. That's why over the last several years, probably since I started working with a therapist in college, I've taken it upon myself to understand how my brain works, to draw connections between all of my different anxieties, and to create something I like to call my mental stack that helps strengthen my brain in the same way that anyone tries to strengthen their body when they go to the gym. The way I think about the mental stack is 
you have a productivity stack. It's all the things you do, like a journal or the Pomodoro method or using the app Freedom on your computer to make you a better worker. You have a physical health stack, like what is the combination of exercise and diet that you do to feel your best physical self? My mental stack is the same thing for strengthening my mind. And my mental stack is as follows. I have daily habits and I have non-daily habits. My daily habits are exercise, diet, sleep, and medication. I take anti-anxiety medication. Then non-daily habits, that includes therapy, mindfulness, and I would even put executive coaching in there. And how I think about my wellness stack is that all of these things work together in order to both lower my average feeling of anxiety, like my base level of anxiety, lowering it from, let's call it a five out of 10, which is normal for me, to a three out of 10. And then what this stack also does is it lowers the peaks of anxiety when something like work, relationship, or health is particularly nagging at me for whatever reason. And I find that the combination specifically of exercise, sleep, and diet are the most important drivers of my anxiety in the present. So when I think about if I feel anxious today or my base level of anxiety is high today, generally it is because one of those three things, sleep, exercise, diet, I've messed one of those things up or I've neglected one of those things for a period of time. And then I find things like therapy, mindfulness, and executive coaching are important tools that help me navigate anxiety once it's happening. So I almost view that exercise, sleep, and diet are preventatives. Therapy, mindfulness, and executive coaching, they're reactions, they're ways to soften the peaks of anxiety when I'm feeling it. As I reflect on right now this experience of sharing my relationship of anxiety with you all and how it manifests and what I do about it, it also makes me think about what are the things that I can do moving forward to make me more effective in managing my own anxiety. Three things come to mind. The first is that I tend to be reactive, not proactive in my mental health practices. So whether it be mindfulness or therapy, my instinct is to partake in them when anxiety is heightened. But in my opinion, that is exactly the wrong approach. That's like if I chose to work out only when I felt out of shape, not when I was in shape. Maintenance is such an important part of mental health and practicing mindfulness and therapy when I feel like I don't need to is actually probably the most important time to practice them. So I have momentum in my mind. The second is I need to practice having greater self-awareness around the things that truly drive my anxiety. So I walked you through my mental wellness stack. And I know that this combination of like seven or eight things all work together to lower my base level of anxiety. But what I haven't done is been in tune enough with my actions, with my specific actions and my specific context to know what specific tools of the eight things I laid out for you actually move the needle for my mental health. Said differently, if I only could pick one thing from my mental wellness stack to truly drive lower anxiety and lower peaks, what would that thing be? I don't have that answer. And I think it's because I haven't been self-aware enough of specifically and precisely what is it that helps me most with my anxiety. The third and final thing that I reflected on is I need to learn to sit with my anxiety versus resist it. This is something that I've 
experience for such a long time, and I know others do as well, one of the worst things an anxious mind can do is to ruminate about why they feel anxious. And then think about if only they didn't feel anxious, how much happier they'd be. I need to trust my process for quieting my anxiety. I need to trust this stack that I have built over time. And in doing so, that will allow me to actually love my life and be happy, even in the face of being anxious. Anxiety and happiness, anxiety and fulfillment don't need to be mutually exclusive. And the only way to have that happen is to learn to sit in anxiety, but not have it make you feel a certain way. And that's my experience with anxiety, friends. Whether you experience anxiety or not, I hope that you've learned from this episode just how powerful the mind is, what managing anxiety looks like for so many people, and the amount of work that it takes to maintain a constructive relationship with your anxiety. As you can tell, I'm super open about my anxiety. So if you ever want someone to talk to or you're more curious to learn more about it, don't hesitate to email me at alex at morningbrew.com. As always, thanks so much for listening to Founders Journal. Make sure to share the show with friends, family, and your network, whether that be in person or on social media. That's how we grow. Thanks again for listening, and I'll catch you all next episode. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard.